Do you hear a lot of people playing guitar like Eddie Van Halen? Oh, I guess a lot of a lot of people not saying even out, but try to, and I think it's actually better that they try to because it comes off a little different. Mm-hmm. Whereas if they play exactly like me, it's going to sound like me. Just like when I grew up playing, I actually tried playing exactly like some people, but I just couldn't. I think that's how my style developed. Out of the mere fact that I couldn't play like someone else, so I, I had to do something. I had to come up with something myself. So the new tour will be mainly uh, the new album? Yeah, it's it's actually very difficult for us to figure out what to play. You know, you have three albums to choose from. It would seem easy, you know, to pick, but actually it's hard to pick. Mm-hmm. You don't know which ones to do. You got so many of them. I mean, looking at it now, that three albums worth of material that we can play, I look I look at it and say, I don't, I don't see how we pulled it off the first year <laughs> with only eight songs, you know, to play. But uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll do at least we'll do more than half of this new album. Mm-hmm. I know we'll do. And the Cradle Will Rock, Everybody Wants Some, Romeo, Lost Control, Super Lion. And we're debating on whether we're going to do Could This Be Magic, which is an acoustic song. Mm-hmm. But I think we might do that instead of Ice Cream Man. Because, you know, it's nice to have an acoustic song mm-hmm. in the set. So you happy with the album? Yeah, I love it. I think it's our best one yet, just because it's, it's got more variety. It's not too guitar-dominated. Guitar it's not too... Uh, it's just got a little bit of everything on it. Mm-hmm. It's got acoustic, it's got piano on it, it's got the ball, the bun busting rock, you know. It's got it all. Do you think people listen to Van Halen albums to hear Eddie Van Halen play guitar then? I'm sure they listen to it for, for the overall thing, for everything. I don't think they listen to it just for my playing, but I think there's enough of my playing on there to satisfy them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On the islands on a cool summer night But you don't gotta hurry, take your time What you need is on the menu and you'll get it tonight Buddy, you got women's on your mind Could this be magic or could this be love? Could this turn tragic? You know that magic often children first sail away with someone's daughter better save the women and children first i hear music on the land and then there's laughter in the air it just could be a boat is coming in yeah you're leaning back and your foot is tapping and you got your head right there's a full moon out tonight baby let's begin could this be magic or could this be love tragic you know that magic often does and I see lonely ships out on the water better save the women and children first sail away with someone's daughter better save the women and children first sail away with someone's daughter Better save the women and children first. What do you think about that there, Hollywood? What does that mean? I don't even, I've never heard that. What is that? (laughs) It's an album we're about to talk about. You don't know the phrase women and children first? I know that part. It was that first part that threw me. What was the first part? Sail away with someone's daughter? Yeah. What is that? That's a lyric. 
From where? What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Oh my God. Do you even know what <laughs> album we're reviewing today? Dude, I'm trying to unhear some of this stuff. We'll get to it. <laughs> I'm telling you. Oh my God. Anyway, so we're up to the true Van Halen 3, which is Women and Children First. For this episode, like we've done in the past, we're bringing along another special guest, and we got none other than Jay Scott from The Hook Rocks. What's going on, Jay? It's going. It's definitely going. You know, I'm glad to be back with you guys. Love coming on. Like I said, when we first talked before we went on air, you guys are looking more beautiful than ever. Um, I'm just totally smitten with the both of you. So if I do flirt a little bit during the episode, please excuse me. I can't contain myself. Because she got a great ass and you got your head all the way up it. That's fantastic. A little Van Halen and a little bit of sexy talk from Jay Scott. I'm excited. I think I got a boner already, Sonny. You're Abe Froman. That's right. I'm Abe Froman. The Sausage King of Chicago. Yeah, that's me. Nice. This beard. Do you ever see Wild Wild West, the movie with uh, Will Smith? If you do a little trimming, you could be loveless. It'd be really close. Yeah, I'm thinking about growing one of those Raleigh Fingers handlebar mustaches. (laughs) You should. Right now, you're caught somewhere between a mountain man and Freddie Mercury, so I don't know what's going on. Or or a Manson family member. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, This is going to be a fun conversation for sure. So, Jay, what's your experience with Van Halen? What's your history with Van Halen? Well, it's quite extensive in terms of, you know, my music catalog and history. Van Halen was one of the very first bands that connected with me as a young kid. I still remember, gosh, had to be seven, eight years old, taking the album Van Halen 1 out of my brother's room. And I think I was homesick one day and my mom was cleaning the house and and doing whatever. And I took the Barry Manilow record off of the turntable and I put Van Halen one. I knew instinctively that I should listen to this with headphones because I figured my mother did not want her young Catholic schoolboy listening to this. So I plugged it in. I heard the intro to running with the devil and I was hooked. And then I heard eruption and I did not know what I was hearing. I had no clue what it was. I knew it was some type of instrument, but it sounded like a spaceship. Remember, this is the era of Star Wars. This is Star Wars Empire Strikes Back, Battlestar Galactica. It sounded like something from outer space. Of course, I I became hooked on Van Halen, but what really set everything in stone for me was watching the U.S. Festival. And in 1983, I was eight years old. It was over Memorial Day weekend. My parents had a barbecue with all these relatives and friends and me and my brother sat inside, glued to the TV, watching all these bands on the heavy metal day. And when Van Halen came out with David Lee Roth and his assless chaps, the rest is history. And then you saw everyone at your school or everyone at the, on the playground or at the park with the Van Halen t-shirts, with the lion, with the VH behind it. You saw the painter's caps. You heard references of them in movies like Fast Times and Better Off Dead. They were not just a band. They were part of our pop culture. And I think they were the only metal band, hard rock band to ever do that, to kind of cross the ocean, so to speak, or the medium into pop culture, which some bands maybe have dabbled in, but no one did it like Van Halen did. You know, I just like the fact that, Jay, you call it the U.S. Festival instead of just the Us Festival. 
I used to call it the Us Festival until I was corrected by it probably 20 some years ago. I used to call it the Us Festival because that's what we referred to it when we were kids. And then someone says, no, it's the U.S. Festival. So I started calling it the U.S. Festival. Who told that lie? So it was the Us Festival? Yeah, I've never heard it called the U.S. Festival except by Jay Scott. <laughs> I've, heard it, I've heard it called the U.S. Festival. I don't think so. I think it's always been the Us Festival. Well, hey, I'll go back to saying the Us Festival then. <laughs> Whoever told you that, they lied to you. But it wasn't like one person. I've heard it in interviews refer to it as the U.S. Festival. I think you're wrong. All right. Let's hear what Mama has to say on the subject. Mama say that happiness is from magic rays of sunshine that come down when you're feeling blue. Mama's wrong again. <laughs> no kind of sanity. You're wrong. <laughs> and that's got a better shot, to be honest. Let me put this disclaimer out there. Sonny's right. It does have a 100% better shot of me being wrong because I thought Ray Gillian was the Gillian's son forever. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. That was like, and you were going out on Twitter, like you knew that. And that was like, you were, it was gospel to you. And I'm like, I'll let somebody else tell him he's wrong. Yeah. So here's what Wiki says. You ready? Mm -hmm. The us festival, us pronounced like the pronoun, not as initials. Okay. Now, then that don't mean Wiki's right. I'm yeah. just telling you what's on yeah. Wiki. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard it called US festival, but that's just me. Yeah, I know. Like when I was younger, I used to call us festival and somebody corrected me on it. So I was like, all right, I guess I'm wrong. You know, you go back to them and you tell them they're wrong, Jay Scott. Maybe I'll murder them in the process. too. <laughs> wow. Oh, that, that's I on tape. look for it. That's on you. tape. <laughs> it is. So I just got to work on my alibi now. Don't mess with me. I'm one crazy mofo. I had to pop a cop because he wasn't giving me my props in Oaktown. I heard that somewhere. <laughs> all right well so <laughs> we were talking about van halen we got sidetracked on the us festival which is you know it's related but let's get back to the women and children first record david frick who's a pretty big writer for rolling stone he wrote an article and oddly enough the article really isn't bashing van halen the article was entitled there's little van halen in everybody and here's what he had to say Van Halen tossed Melody along with subsequently good manners, straight out of the barroom door, specializing in decibels and cock-strutting bravado. They put forth the proposition that might is always right, and the proof on their third LP, Women and Children First, is pretty convincing. Romeo's delight, everybody wants some, and the mad triple-time dash lost of control are works of high-volume art. That is some of the things that Rolling Stone had to say. So let's get into some of the album facts. The title of the record comes after a Van Halen-sized bender and someone waking up and screaming, the ship is sinking, to which Dave replies, women and children first, and the phrase stuck. Does anybody buy that story? I actually buy that story. I think that story is believable to me. Okay. Yeah, based on their reputation at the time and based on how much they used to drink and party and based on the quick-witted Daily Roth, I'm with Sonny on that. I, I do believe that. Okay. Well, it's certainly obvious that uh, Van Halen had a lot of benders around this time period, so <laughs> that wouldn't surprise me. This is the third studio album, the first album for Van Halen to contain no cover songs, released in March of 1980. It was recorded December 79 through February 1980 at Sunset Sound in Los Angeles, 
which is where the other two albums, the first two albums, were recorded. The length of the record is 33 minutes and 35 seconds. Label, of course, is Warner Brothers, and producer Ted Templeman is back again. The album was certified 4.3 times platinum as of 2004, and one of the things that got it to four times platinum was uh, that they remastered it and re-released it in 2000, and that helped it push it to 4 million copies sold. The album cover, let's talk about the album cover a little bit. The cover is the band. Eddie has this Ibanez Destroyer guitar. What I found out today that I didn't know previously is that that Destroyer guitar that's on the album cover was loaned to Eddie by Chris Holmes, who at the time was just a local guitar player. Of course, Chris Holmes went on to be in Wasp, but at the time he was just a nobody. Yeah, and everything we know about Chris Holmes, because I've heard this story before, my guess is that guitar was stolen. He had not property. How the hell is Chris Holmes got a guitar? The story goes that Chris was in the hospital from a motorcycle accident or something like that. And Eddie came by and visited him in the hospital and asked him if he could borrow the guitar. And Chris says, yeah, just go over to my house and ask my mom. And, you know, she should be fine with it. So that's how the story goes. Interesting. This is stuff I had no idea about. Maybe that's when uh, Eddie started drinking vodka. I don't know. I think he was a lot younger when he started doing that. But All right. So the other part of this album cover was that David Lee Roth, at some point, got with this famous photographer, Helmut somebody or other. Helmut Newton. Helmut Newton. And went and got these photos shot of just him. He didn't even talk to the band about it. And so the band got really pissed off about this because originally they were talking about having some of these shots of Dave as the album cover. And uh, I don't think Eddie was going to have any bit of that. None of those pictures ended up getting used except for this one shot of Dave, you know, in an S&M pose in his backyard against his fence. They made a poster out of that and put it in the first million copies of Women and Children First on the inside. So it's kind of a bonus if you got uh, one of those first million pressings of this record. You guys know anything about that story? Yeah, I don't know if it was his backyard. I thought it was something that they were on a photo shoot and Dave took some pictures after the photo shoot was over. And then the band found out about it. And this was really the kind of the beginning of the end of Van Halen, as the story goes. I think it's in Noel Monk's book about that story. But I, I'm, un, I'm unclear. You could be right about the backyard, but I, I always heard it was after a photo shoot that Van Halen did as a band. I have a first pressing of this album with the poster in it, which I was able to find at a, at a collector show that they had here local to Chicago. I did take the poster out once and then put it back. I don't want to mess with it. But yeah, I, I, have, I have heard that story. To go back briefly, though, with the Chris Holmes story, I find it amazing that knowing the, the height of Van Halen's popularity at this time, after Van Halen 1, Van Halen 2, Eddie Van Halen wanted to borrow this guitar because of the tone that he knew that Chris had with this Ibanez. And the fact that Eddie Van Halen, after touring the world, went over to Chris's home's house and asked his mother to borrow this guitar is just is amazing to me. Here's this guy that's just, you know, played Eruption and Running with the Devil and You Really Got Me and Danced the Night Away and opened up for Black Sabbath and opened up for Journey and all these bands and played Texas. They played, I think it was Texas Jam. And here he is going to visit Chris Holmes in the hospital 
and saying, hey, yeah, just go over there. Tell my mom I said it's okay, and you can have the guitar. That's just amazing to me. Jay, it wasn't Texas Jam. It's Texas J-A-M. So from now on, <laughs> I want you to call it Texas J-A-M. I will do that. I, will do that. <laughs> I was on a podcast when somebody corrected me. Yeah, there you go. The whole poster thing, it just kind of feels like we don't really have data to prove this. And, of course, Dave would never say this is the case, but – it kind of feels like, look, I'm kind of sick of Eddie being the cornerstone of everything that's Van Halen. I'm putting something out there because have you seen those three guys' looks? And have you seen my looks, right? That kind of thing. Just like you said, Jay, you start to see the cracks. Now we're playing arbitrary quarterback 40 some odd years later, mm-hmm. but this is when the cracks show. There's no doubt. Yeah. Well, they always, they never liked each other, right? Yeah. I mean, there's a history that's been written that they resisted having David Lee Roth in the band when I think his, his old band was named Red Bull, something like that. Uh, Red Ball Jet. Red, Red Ball Jam. And Red Ball Jet. Red Ball Jet. Okay. The only reason why they la- allowed him in the band was because of the board that he had, you know, yeah. the on board that he had. And there was always friction. And I guess that friction is what created the sound, right? I mean, I don't think you get the swagger that they had from Van Halen 1 all the way through 1984, the sound of Van Halen without that tension. Yeah. Well, with women and children first, this is also the point in which Van Halen starts to make money as a band. And as we know, money complicates all kinds of things. Sure. So I think egos start to grow around this time frame. It's said that Eddie was able to buy his parents a new house and retire his parents for good with this album around this time. That front cover, and maybe I've been watching too many war movies lately. Doesn't that front cover feel a little Iwo Jima to you? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I wonder if that's, is that on purpose? Is that by mistake? Like, we've not, we don't really know. I don't think so. Nobody's really said anything. I've never heard that mentioned, but I 100% agree with you. Yeah. So I just thought it was interesting. I also thought it was interesting that there's two records that come out the same year that are heralded as those bands' premier defining records, being British Steel and Back in Black. But for whatever reason, this didn't attach itself to it, right? And that's maybe because Van Halen 1 was so great anyway, this doesn't have a shot to do that. But it's interesting that two huge albums in metal that define part of the genre really came out at the same time. Mm-hmm. So That's interesting. Yeah. 1980 itself was a great year for metal albums. I mean, Iron Maiden's debut came out. Uh, you mentioned British Steel. You mentioned Back in Black, Women and Children First. Gosh, I think, was it Animal Magnetism that came out by the Scorpions? So there was, yeah, there was quite a few 1980 albums. Yeah, killer year. Killer. Because disco's dying off, right? Mm-hmm. So, because mm-hmm. at times you'll hear fans go, well, disco in the 80s. I'm like, eh, disco's really late 70s. Mm-hmm. It's really dying off by the time 8081 comes around. Yeah, I agree. I think Van Halen won in 78, 79 was uh, towards the end of disco. Yeah. Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. Okay, so let's start track by track. You know, my personal opinion before we get going is uh, these songs lost a little bit of the California vibe that VH2 had. So some people may call it mature, but 
Let's talk about And the Cradle Will Rock. Jay, your thoughts? Well, this was really the first time Van Halen really kind of went after it by name about school and, you know, trying to capture the angst of the youth. Of course, you had Atomic Punk and you had some other songs too as well. But when you think of And, and the Cradle Rock, and we'll get to another song here shortly, you know, the lyric, have you seen Junior's Grades, really resonated with the young male crowd in high school. You know, there's often it's often said that every young kid, every young boy wanted to be David Lee Roth and every young girl wanted to be on David Lee Roth. So I do think that was by design. And as you see the albums that came after that with Fair Warning, with Dirty Movies, I knew her when she was prom queen back to 1984 with Hot for Teacher. I think it was, you know, a a common theme that they really took on after Van Halen, too, which was try to capture that audience. Yeah, I'm with you because Twisted Sister made a living doing it too, right? It works. Yes. Yeah. Because it work. you connect, we talk about it all the time. Whatever you kind of listen to in your high school years is what you end up listening to really the rest of your life. You'll let other things in. But when I'm kind of not feeling great, dude, I go right back to like 85, 86. And there's something about that music that kind of brings me back to normal a little bit. So Stephen, your thoughts on the Cradle Rock? Yeah, I never really thought about it till Jay said it, but you're absolutely right. This song kind of kicked off a whole school theme with Van Halen. And like you said, Sonny, school themes sell, right? It did wonders for Twisted Sister, School's Out for Summer, Alice Cooper. There's a whole history of those type of songs that do really well, especially in the rock and hard rock genre. This song in particular was an interesting one. I thought it was a better album opener than Van Halen 2's You're No Good. 
I didn't really put together the similarity of the Atomic Punk intro with this one until I read it in an article today that Eddie talked about, you know, similar effects and things like that. And he was doing some experimentation with pianos and Wolitzers through Marshall stacks and things like that. So I like this song. I think it's a classic Van Halen tune. And I love the part, have you seen Junior's grades? But I, I actually like the little cowering that comes right after that. Have you seen Junior's grades? And then the little, oh, you know, that thing is uh, kind of an earworm and, and fun. Uh, so I think it's a classic tune. I dig it. Yeah, this Junior's grades things, I got, I got a bone to pick with it in a second. But the music stops when they say it too, right? And that creates an earworm, which right. is really cool. But okay, so he's unemployed. His folks are overjoyed. Why are they taking pleasure in his absolute failure in life? Like, shouldn't they be more supportive? Because when he says it, he says it in a sarcastic way. He says he's unemployed. His folks are overjoyed. It's, it's like, oh, yeah, his folks are overjoyed about that. That's how I take it in the song. It's a sarcastic play. Yeah, come on. We're talking about David Lee Roth, Sonny. We're talking about Shakespeare. <laughs> That's funny. All right, well. Let's go to David Lee Roth trying to beat Tarzan and go to Everybody Wants Some.
Jay, your thoughts on Everybody Wants Them? Well, what a powerful track. You know, the beginning, the intro, the guitar, probably one of their most iconic songs. And probably one of the songs that they're most well-known for. Again, this song was featured in the movie Better Off Dead, which it gets a lot of notoriety from. But probably this or and the Credible Rock are the, probably the two signature songs off of this album that they're known for. This is just an incredible track. Yeah. Steven, your thoughts? Yeah, this song was really strong for me early on, and then I got a little fatigued on it. I'd read today in an article that the whole talking part that Dave does, the breakdown in the middle, was basically ad-libbed, which sort of surprised me. This has become an iconic part of this song, and it's something that he wrote off the cuff, uh, which I just, I find that amazing, that kind of thing, you know, to grow to the stature that it's grown, just amazing. I like that. I like the way the line runs up the back of the stockings right there. I've always liked those kind of high heels too, you know. No, 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 no. Don't take them off. Don't take leave them on. Leave them on. Yeah, that's it. A little more to the right. A little more to the right. Woo! <laughs> Everybody wants some. I want some too. Oh, whoa. Everybody wants some. Baby, how about you? Oh, yeah. Everybody wants some. Everybody needs some. Everybody wants some. Everybody needs some. I think it's a classic tune. I agree with Jay and the, and the Cradle Rock and uh, Everybody Wants Some are the two probably most known songs off this to the average Van Halen fan. Yeah, this song, uh, it's interesting because I've heard bands do and the Cradle Rock and they actually do a pretty good job. I've yet to hear a band do Ain't Talking About Love, right? But I've heard Cradle Rock. I don't think anybody can pull off Everybody Wants Some. There's stuff David's doing that you just... You can't replicate it. I haven't heard it. And even some of the tribute records, they just do a terrible job. Like, there's a swagger here that Dave's got. Now, in the lyrics, it's a little interesting. Like, can't get romantic on a subway line. I don't know if he's trying to woo the conductor. Not exactly sure what's going on there. And I always thought he was saying he was looking for whoopee, not a moonbeam. I was wondering, I was like, why does he keep saying whoopee? But I used to watch Three's Company a lot. So I thought maybe that was like the word of the decade or whatever. In 1980, and now to come find out, he doesn't say whoopee, he says moonbeam. So I thought that was a little bit interesting. But uh, <laughs> but uh, it's a good song. I like I like the song. Did you see, and I'm sure you've heard it before, in the middle of the song, it's about at 335, he says a, I like. Like he almost came in too soon on the vocal. He did. And then came back in again. But why didn't he just cut it? He did because they were recording it live. I read an article on that today as well. I did a lot of reading today studying for this record. So he does. He comes in a tad too early, and Eddie hits a chord over the I like. But Van Halen was famous, especially on these first three records, for really doing minimal overdubs and basically recording the album live as they went in a room. And so they liked the way it sounded. Ted thought it sounded good, so they kept it. I would say that these are the type of little mess-ups that become endearing to fans over the years 
And this is another example of that to me. Yeah. Yeah. I think when you talk about Van Halen, you talk about the recording of the first few albums. I even think fair warning uh, you can include in that too as well is the energy was not sacrificed to re-record or get it right. I think Ted Templeman wanted to capture the energy of Van Halen, capture that live experience, capture that youthful energy that they had that no other band had then. And I, I don't think any other band has had since. And when you talk about, you know, we go back to Van Halen too. We talk about somebody get me a doctor, them applauding the solo with Eddie Van Halen. And I think that is really the essence of the band. That's why they were so appreciated by the youthful audience, the younger audience, because they were, they had like that badge of outlaw. They had that badge of just who cares that, you know, they don't give a fuck to do it. They just did it. It was awesome. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. All right, so let's move to Fools. I like everything that Alex is doing in this track. This is when I really hear Alex doing things that I'm not sure I heard in the first two songs. How about you, Jay? Well, again, you know, I this is one of my favorite tracks on the album. Uh, again, mentioning the school. Well, I ain't about to go to school and I'm sick and tired of golden rules. What 16-year-old, 15-year-old kid at that time isn't feeling that? And then Daily Roth is speaking directly to them. They say I'm crazy from the wrong side of the tracks. I never see them, but they're always on my back, meaning the parents. I'm sick and tired of cleaning room. And that's the final bell for pushing broom. You know, so again, connecting with that youthful, rebellious that Daily Roth, the lyricist, is doing is smart. And again, it gained them. That's why they were the first million dollar rock band at the at the US Festival to uh, you know to, to headline that. I mean, that's that's this is the 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 mystique and the lore of Van Halen growing right before our eyes and before our ears as we are hearing it.
just can't take it. Stephen, what do you think? I, I don't know if this song was played at the Texas JAM, but. <laughs> <laughs> Jay's saying something, but he's got the mute on. Texas JAMM, not the JAM. <laughs> That's for R&B music. That's an R&B festival. Okay. All right. JAMM is an R&B <laughs> festival. <laughs> so, Fools, I love the way Fools comes in and just teases the shit out of you. Right. So Edward's guitar at a low volume as they increase the volume, he's just kind of tinkering around and he and Dave are sitting around and I can picture it. And uh, they're just, you know, going back and forth and Dave's whiskey soaked bluesy voice and they're playing a little bit of blues. And and then all of a sudden, Eddie hits these big power chords and the volume increases. And then it's like Eddie loses his freaking mind. He just goes sporadic. And for me as a kid, it was unbelievable because it wasn't that I was hearing something new, but I mean, it was like they had let a caged animal out of his cage for a split minute and he just breaks loose. And then he goes from this flurry of notes into just this big, heavy, deep riff. And I absolutely love this song. Overall, this is one of my favorite Van Halen songs. I love Fools. I love the background vocals. I like the hooks in this song. I like the melody. Uh, There's very little that I don't like about this song. And I'm somewhat opposite. Pretty much the only thing I like about the song is Alex. The first 43 seconds is a complete waste. Then you get this like 37 second eruption thingy. Then you get a minute at the end of the song that's a complete waste. What the fuck is Sonny Pony? I do not enjoy this song. This would easily be in the bottom 20 Van Halen songs for me. Who hurt you as a child? I'm just telling you. Uh, give me Why Can't This Be Love any day of the week. What, what, what are you talking about? That asswipe also stiffed me for two months' rent when his deposit check bounced. Goddamn puss-faced little pimp stick. Useless scum-lapping shitbag. What any day are you talking about? Fools is just incredible. It's a masterpiece. I mean... No. Just the subtlety in Eddie's playing in the beginning, how he backs off the riff and he plays really soft and really low, and it goes right into these power chords of just, man, pulling the hair back on your fucking neck. And and you are and you would take, why can't this be love? And time's over. What the fuck is wrong with you? Jay, let me save you some time. Sonny's an idiot. 
and to waste your time and your breath and drive your blood pressure up for Pooney is kind of a waste of time. It's the very waste of time that Pooney talks about with this song. So just ignore him and let's move on because right now there's a bunch of people listening to this podcast going. That agree with me. That are getting no, they're not, they don't agree with you. <laughs> they don't agree with you. I'm chewing on glucose tablets right now because my sugar's dropping. <laughs> Like you're making a drop even more. (laughs) I'll say one other thing about this song for all the great things that David's doing and everybody wants some, everything he's doing. This song is meant to me. You're a hateful individual. You seriously are. And dumb, really dumb. That's okay. There's people that agree with me. I promise you. All right. So let's go to the next song. Carrie King once said that Romeo delight is the last truly great Van Halen rock song. What do you think about Romeo delight? I agree with them. It's a great rock song. I disagree with them. That it's the last great Van Halen rock song, Romeo Delight. I mean, this just packs a punch. They used to open up with this song. I think they, they opened up the Us Festival with this song. It's an incredible song. I mean, just the guitar riff, you can equate it to, you know, a thrash riff. I mean, it's it's just very, very special in terms of what Eddie's doing on this song. I think it's just an incredible, incredible track. And that's interesting. You say thrash riff. Maybe that's what connected with Carrie, right? That's mm-hmm. that's possible. Uh, Stephen, your thoughts? So Romeo's delight will forever be entrenched in my head because that was the song that Van Halen opened up with the first concert I ever went to when I saw Van Halen on the Diver Down tour. So that's an image for me that I'll never forget.
I love this song. For me, Fools and Romeo's Delight are kind of those hidden gems on this record. They're the lesser known songs in probably a Van Halen catalog, but I love both of them. And I feel the same way about Romeo's Delight as I do about Fools. I just, I absolutely love it. It's no plural. It's just Romeo Delight. Romeo's Delight. Well, there's always more than one Romeo though, Jay. No, there's only one Romeo. There's only one Romeo on the album. Now, when we're talking about you two, yes, (laughs) there's more than one Romeo. Oh, Lord. Romeo Delight to me. The volume swell. I'm always a sucker for those volume swell what things. A lot of my favorite guitarists do that. Swell, but you got a problem with fools? That, I mean, fools sucked. Oh my god! Let's just put a pin in that one. I love the pace of this song. I think it's different. It's the right feel for me. But I like Romeo Delight. You want me to hate this song too? I don't. It's good. Now I can't say I love the next one, Tora Tora, because <laughs> I got some things to say about Tora Tora. Jay, your thoughts? You know, it's probably, I wouldn't say I hate it, but it's not one of my favorite songs on the album. Yeah. It it feels very like Rob Halford or King Diamond should be screaming, right? That's what it feels like to me. Well, I mean, it's, it is a instrumental, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. It, it's not one of my more favorite Eddie Van Halen instrumentals, but it leads into the next track. I don't know if I really give it much thought. Yeah. Steven, your thoughts? To me, Tora Tora, and I'll go ahead and lump loss of control in with it because it really is kind of a twofer. To me, this is the first chink in the armor and not necessarily the way that I would want to start side two of my cassette. So as a kid, I can recall thinking, oh, it's kind of cool. But as time went on with these two things, it, it really just isn't. They could have done better. I think they could have done better. I think they had better obviously, because there's stuff that appears on records later on that was already in the vaults that was better than this. So uh, it's just not one of my favorites. Lock the door, lock the door, lock the door. Lock the door, lock the door. 
Yeah, for me, if this is supposed to be the Hellion, then I can say for goddamn sure Loss of Control is not Electric Eye because I am not a fan of that song at all. Jay, tell me you don't like Loss of Control. No, is this I one don't. of your favorite songs too? No, I don't. I This is probably bottom David Lee Roth era for me. I would probably compare this to Halloween. Uh, Avatage? <laughs> no, I don't know. I, in fact, I probably think this is my least favorite song from the David Lee Roth era, Loss of Control. I just, I, I've tried to connect with it. I've tried to give it multiple listens and it just falls flat. I think maybe they were trying to experiment a little bit with some different things, but it doesn't hit me. It has never hit me. And I just think it's, man, like I would probably describe it as a lost opportunity of what should have been. I agree. It probably it never should have been on this album. Yeah. I don't understand the point of this song and this intro. Have Have either one of you guys gone and watched that Japanese promo video they shot for this thing? I've seen it once or twice, but nothing, you know, it doesn't really resonate with me. Yeah. And I saw it a couple of times and I was like, whatever. It's very weird. It just, I don't know. It just feels, it feels, it doesn't feel like Van Halen at all to me going and listening to this these days. So they could have done without this on the record. I would have been okay. Yeah. All right. So let's move to the next song. Cause I absolutely love these lyrics. Some goes to women. Some goes to Jesus thought. I'm absolutely certain both are right, but it takes me at least halfway to the label for, I can even make it through the night. She don't want me around She said she's tired Of watching me fall down <laughs> She wants a good life And all the best But I like that bottle Better than the best And she said I think that you're headed for a whole lot of trouble Well, I think that you're headed for a whole lot of trouble Well, I think that you're headed for a whole lot of trouble Home, 
supposed to be fun or dark? Jay, what do you think? I think it's that Van Halen yin and yang that they do so well. You know, I, I think when you talk about the yin and yang, you talk about take your whiskey home. You talk about I'm the one with this scorching guitar riff on Van Halen one. And now then it breaks into a barbershop quartet. And then it carries on to this, you know, again, it just, it's just the swagger. I think, again, it's Van Halen, the tongue and cheekness of Van Halen, the lyricist that David Lee Roth is. And again, you know, the booze and the party, you know, it's just, it's all wrapped up in one. I, I don't think it's, a, it's meant to be a dark song. I think it's meant to kind of play on uh, the interpretation of what it is. That's when Van Halen is at its greatest. Steven, Dave is untouchable in this kind of shit, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is an older song, too. This song was around, I think, predating Michael Anthony. This was one of the first songs they asked Michael Anthony to learn, actually. So it's been around for a while. And yeah, to your point, this is where Dave shines. His character comes through. His voice comes through. Eddie's guitar comes through. I dig this tune. There's a rumor Eddie didn't want it on the record. Is that a rumor or is that real? I don't know. I don't know if it's ever been confirmed. I, you know, that's, it's hard to say. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. I love the song. I, it's one of my favorites on the album. So, uh, I've always liked it. All right. This next song, could this be magic bluegrass? I, I don't know. Jay, wh- what is this song? Well, again, this, this is Van Halen, you know, having some fun doing some a little bit different. I think they were looking for something different to do. When you look at Van Halen one and Van Halen two, you know, they're both great records. They're both very similar. And I just think that this goes along the, you know, type of music, type of song that they wanted to do, similar to what they did with Big Bad Bill is Sweet William now on Diver Down. So this was going to be a theme over the next, you know, record or two that Van Halen wanted to do and kind of explore and kind of create, what do they call those, those Irish, uh, oh gosh, what's, what, do they, what do they call the, the, the drinking songs? Irish jig. Yeah, the Irish jig type of Van Halen type of thing, you know, where, you know, people would sing this or whatever around a campfire or with their friends after a night of drinking and debauchery, you know? Yeah. And you'll hear things like, they don't say it about Dave, but you'll hear it about people, hey, that so-and-so can sing the phone book. It, there's no doubt Eddie can play the phone book. He can mm-hmm. play any type of music somebody wants him to play. There's no doubt about it. But Stephen, this still doesn't work for me. It works for you. It works for me because I like it. It feels good. I think it's way better than a something like a Big Bad Bill is Sweet William Now. I like the fact Ted Templeman encouraged Eddie to use the brass slide. So given it that Coke bottle effect, it sounds very bluesy. I think Dave sounds really good. And I like it. It just it's fun, but it's easy to sing. It's got a good melody. And I like the bluesy slide guitar that goes on throughout the song. So I personally dig it. This is one of my more favorite Van Halen screw around songs, like those songs that Van Halen does just to screw around. This is one of my more favorites of those type tunes. So I like this song a lot. And this, of course, was the song that Nicolette Larson sang backgrounds on. In the beginning, you hear the rain going on. That was really happening because it was pouring down rain at the studio and somebody left a door open. So they captured that on tape at the beginning. 
Nicolette Larson was singing backgrounds because she was repaying a favor because Eddie had played a guitar solo on her solo record, Incognito. He wasn't credited for it, but he did that solo for her, so she was repaying a favor for him. On a cool summer night But you don't got to hurry To your time What you need is on the menu And you get it tonight But you got Women's on your mind Could this be magic Or could this be love Could this turn tragic You know that magic often does Lonely ships upon the water Better save the women and children first Sail away with someone's daughter Better save the women and children first I hear music on the landing And there's laughter in the air Just could be your boat is coming in yeah, you're leaning back and your foot tapping and got your head right. There's a full moon out tonight, baby. Let's begin. She said, Could this be magic? Yeah, this song, give me Stay Frosty Ice Cream Man any day. This song, I remember listening to it going, Oh, that's too bad. They kind of did a shitty cover. You know, I, they should have picked a different cover. And then I read that they wrote this shit. It's like, who signed off on this shit? Right? And Nicolette Larson. Dude, you could have had Bette Midler, Linda Ronstadt. Nobody could save this fucking song. This song is shit. I'm sorry. So you know me. You know my reputation. 13 inches is a tough load. I don't treat you gently. Okay, now we can move on. All right. So let's talk about In a Simple Rhyme. Jay. In a Simple Rhyme, I put this up on a pedestal with the full bug and Diver Down as probably 1 and 1A in terms of deep cuts by Van Halen. This is a great song. You've got great background vocals. Alex Van Halen sounds amazing on this song. The whole band sounds amazing. Again, when I listen to In a Simple Rhyme and, and The Full Bug, you know, these are like the two for me that are just like, when you talk about Van Halen deep cuts, these are where it's at. Stephen, we know this was three or four songs kind of jammed together. It sounds like it a little bit. I like it, but it sounds like it was three or four songs jammed together.
Touch against an icy sky And I heard bells ringing I think I heard an angel sigh She said Stephen, your thoughts? And the Cradle Will Rock was the only single that they released off this record. I think possibly this may have made a really good single. This is a fantastic album closer. It's a fantastic Van Halen song, Deep Track. Yes, it sounds a little bit different, but so does Rocket Queen. I think probably the only reason this song might not have been a good single is because I think it's actually pretty long for a Van Halen song. I don't know what the track time is, but I think it's like five minutes or something like that, which is... A little over four. Yeah, okay. That's a little long for a single, but it's just a fantastic song. I love every everything about it. And then, you know, for counting growth the hidden track the ending as part of the song or a separate song i don't know how we're counting that but i think we recounted the story behind that instrumental on a previous episode which was the idea was that hidden track was going to end this album which it did but then they were going to fade that up on fair warning and it was going to be the first track on fair warning which never came to fruition but I love In a Simple Rhyme. I think it feels so good. It's got a great melody. It's a great song. Yeah, I like this song. You know, the the muscle riff. It's almost like, you know what? Guys, we're sorry we put you through Tora Tora, Loss of Control. Could this be magic and fools? So we're going to put a great song at the end. <laughs> Jay's still shaking his head. <laughs> I, know, I know we're talking about Van Halen, but you have to understand, for the people that are listening... This is a, a long history of Sonny 
being vocal and just proving that he has horrible taste in music. <laughs> horrible taste in music. Now, it's not Loverboy, okay? So, I mean, Loverboy rules. You shut up. Yeah, I mean, we, we won't even get into an Iron Maiden discussion, which if you guys ever have an Iron Maiden discussion on your show, I need to be a part of it because I need to balance out Sonny's just utter, just, I mean, shit view of Revelations. Real, oh, my God. Revelations <laughs> is such a great song. It's an incredible song. But, yes, if you guys ever do an Iron Maiden show, I need, I am, I am demanding that I'm on to discuss Iron Maiden. Jesus, Jay, are you trying to sweet talk me again? <laughs> wow. All right. So let's talk your top two on this album, your bottom two on this album. Jay. Top two, either or, uh, Fools and Romeo Delight. Bottom two, Loss of Control. And could this be magic? Steven, how about you? Actually, ditto. Yeah, for the bottom two, I'm ditto also. I don't have Fools in there. I got the other two in there. Uh, My- something right. My top two is Cradle Rock and Take a Risky Home. Those are the two songs that I normally go to when it's on this album. So, and you know, it's just what uh, kind of caught my ear, and I kind of like the pop sensibilities. So, some of the deep tracks on this stuff doesn't usually connect with me that good. All right. Well, before we kind of get our final thoughts, you know, we're always trying to connect it with Kiss. You wanted the best, but you got the best. The hottest band in the world, Kiss. It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. So, Kiss also released an album in 1980. It was not a Back in Black or a British Steel. It was called Unmasked. And some people believe it was one of their disco albums. But for the historic moment, we're going to talk about an East Coast tribute band called Kiss Forever. The band is... Ara Azardurian, he's the star child. John Saner is the demon. Rob Smith's a spaceman. And Mike Grillo is a catman. They supplied a song for an album called Undressed and Unmasked Tribute to Kiss. And basically, it was a 2003 compilation of unmasked songs. And the one they supplied was this Ace Frehley classic called Talk to Me. They talk too much It's a fascination A 
I sent you guys this song. Jay, what'd you think about the song? Because you sent me something that goes, who the hell is this? <laughs> I actually liked it. Ace has such a distinct voice. And it's really hard to cover an Ace song because you immediately go back to Ace's voice. And it's, it's you know, even though he doesn't have the best voice, his pitch is always perfect. But he's got a very unique, very easy to recognize voice. So when I first heard it, I was very turned off by it. I'm like, yeah, you're covering Ace too. But then I listened to it a couple more times, like a day or two later. And I really liked it. It's It's different. It's got a little bit of rock and roll hell in the beginning, and then it ends with like an acoustic type of deal. So I really did appreciate their push to do it differently. I always like when a band does that, and I do think it's a good it's a good cover song. Yeah, this whole album, every song's a little bit different because I think yeah. they were trying to show it doesn't have to be disco if you want to label it disco. It can be other things. Stephen, what did you think about the song? I like the beginning a lot. I like the change up in the rhythmic beginning. But somewhere after that, it kind of loses me a little bit. I didn't hate it, but I definitely was more excited about that beginning. And then it just kind of fell a little flat for me. Yeah. And I think that's because, as Jay said, it's Ace that sells Ace songs. Right. You can't hand Torpedo Girl to, I don't know, Rihanna. Because it ain't going to be a hit. It's Torpedo Girl. It works because Ace is singing it. You know what I mean? That's just what it is. Ace has that New York attitude in his voice. Yeah. And it's very hard to replicate. And like you said, the Ace songs are Ace songs for a reason. Because they're different than Paul and Gene's songs. They have a different vibe and a different energy. And they take on a life of its own. You know, we talked about Unmasked and how people consider it a disco album. I think it's more of a pop album than anything. And it's an album that I've learned to appreciate more as I've gotten older. I think when I was younger and I listened to this album, it was difficult for me to kind of separate the early Kiss into the Kiss that I grew up with, which is the Creatures of the Night and the Lick It Up, to kind of hear the Dynasty unmasked. I really didn't didn't connect with it like I do now. I think both of those albums are solid albums. I wouldn't say they're they're their best albums, but I, I don't think they're bad as anyone says they are. Or everyone says they are. Yeah, and I think Steven's coming around too because for me – Coming in in the mid 80s, you're hearing all this pop stuff on MTV. And then you hear on Mass, you're like, oh, this is just like the other pop stuff you hear on kind of MTV. It's cool. But I think Steven's finally starting to come around too. Yeah. And I disagree. I think Bruno Mars makes Torpedo Girl a hit. No way. <laughs> <laughs> With that funky bass, are you kidding me? You're going to have to change it up a little bit. It'd be interesting. You know? 
like to see like Shakira <laughs> cover it. I just like to see Shakira. Yeah. And I know, and I, listen, I know our friend Zeus loves Shandy. That's like his favorite song probably in the world. And, you know, Zeus always does shed a tear because of the emotional connection he has with that song. When he hears that song, he thinks of beautiful colors and skies and sunsets and birds chirping. And it puts him in a great place. So let's not forget how much that song and that album means to Zeus. I think about rainbows and unicorns when I hear Torpedo Girl. Yeah, me too. So closing out Van Halen, uh, to me, the album, it's hit and miss. That's just my personal opinion. The songs I really like, I like. The songs I really don't like, I'll never listen to probably ever because I don't really have a reason to listen to them. But pass it over to Stephen to close it out here. All right. So for me, this album, it's mostly hit. The problem with a Van Halen record is that at 33 minutes long, if you have a down point, which for me, Lost Control and Tora Tora is, it really shortens the album greatly, even though we're only talking about a total of like two minutes and 50 seconds. You know, I mean, that's the beginning of side two. So on side two, all you got left is take your whiskey home. Could this be magic and simple rhyme? And then it's over. Side one is fantastic. I mean, I love side one, but side two starts off wrong and uh, we have that little bit left. So Jay, any final words for Van Halen's Women and Children First? Side one has fools, right? Yes. I just want to make sure. Uh, whatever. <laughs> You're an idiot. You're a fool. My You're friend. a fool. Exactly. So to me, it's still an iconic album. It is still one of my favorite Van Halen albums. You know, imagine listening to Van Halen 1, then you put on Van Halen 2, put on Women and Children first, listen to the first side, you're like, wow, this is just awesome. And then loss of control comes on and you're looking at your stereo and you're like, is this the Van Halen album that that I'm listening to? Because loss of control, when you look at the body work before that, the two sides on the first two albums, the first side of this album, yes, including Fools, Sonny, and then you hear loss of control, it's like, what just happened? Like, what's going on? Let me ask you this, though, Jay. Did you always feel that way about Lost Control and Tor Tor? Because back when I was a kid, I don't remember feeling that way about it. I don't remember really paying attention to Loss of Control when I was younger, probably because I didn't like it. I remember I used to fast forward back in the day when we had cassettes because I wanted to get to Take Your Whiskey Home. Yeah. Kind of a funny story. I This is probably like four or five years ago. I had completely forgotten about loss of control. I completely blocked that abysmal song out of my memory. And I was looking at women and children first. And I'm like, oh, well, I haven't heard loss of control in a while. I forgot how that goes. And I put it on. I started playing it. I'm like, oh, my God, this is why <laughs> I blocked this traumatic experience out of my head. <laughs> that happened to me with coleslaw. For some reason, I don't like coleslaw, but if I haven't had it in a while, I go, oh, man, I haven't had coleslaw in a while. And then I'll eat it. And I'm like, oh, man, this sucks. <laughs> I agree with you on coleslaw. Coleslaw sucks. So, Jay, before we get out of here, plug your podcast. Well, thank you. It's always great to be back on Growing Up Rock with Steve and Sonny, even though I disagree with a lot of his music takes. But you can find The Hook Rocks at The Hook Rocks on Twitter and Facebook. You can find us on all podcast platforms. We are now part of the Pantheon Music Podcast Platform, which is you know a great step for the show. And just uh, more things to come with live streams and websites and Instagram. So look out, be on the lookout for all that for the Hook Rocks in 2021. 
Awesome. Jay, Scott, we appreciate you being a part of our Van Halen album reviews. Thank you, guys. Sonny? Thank you, Jay. And it's not the Hook Rocks. It's the H-O-O-K Rocks. So just know that. Just type in the and then H-O-O-K Rocks, and it will come up. You know, funny story. I was going to have a website, and it was going to be Hook R. But I'm like, well, I can't really call it Hook R because these are the That's good. But as always, everybody, thanks for listening, and we will catch you soon. See ya. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys. make sure you subscribe to our podcast Growing Up Rock and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. It's NFL draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.